0: Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Um, what I'm going to start with today is an article that I read on a UK website called DailyMail.co.uk and it is a book by a himself a social psychologist and saying that the all or nothing marriage claiming that that the main change in the last 100 years is that on top of the expectations we will love our partners that you know we now also expect them to help us grow and become better versions of ourselves now i i don't know where this guy's been studying history. But that is hardly the number one, you know, main change in the last 100 years. I, I have, there's so many holes in this, I can't even stand it. And here's this guy putting this book out saying that this is what you must do. How about we say that one of the number one changes in the last 100 years is the percentage of women who are working, what is it, 80% of women work, that they now control their own finances. Hello, thank you very much. There's also a change in, birth control. So women now control the number of children that they have. And when it comes to relationships, women have always relied on their female friends more typically than their partner for a lot of their emotional support and the things that they grow and do. So I'm sorry, Dr. Eli Finkel, but I'm Professor Finkel. I'm afraid I'm going to have to say, I don't think that your book, All or Nothing, is the source to a happy relationship. And he says, we need to ask less from this person and think of ways in which our friendships could give us more. What? I, I, seriously, there are times when I see things online and it makes my brain just go sideways. I, this past weekend, just last night, I was at a book signing for a girlfriend of mine and her book is entitled, um, where is it? <coughs> Let me find it. Here we go. It is called You Got This. And her name is Ali LaPree. And what she looked at, and if people want to read a book about how to improve your relationship and how to be who you are in a relationship, this is something that would have a whole lot more in it than this person sort of observing that, you know, people, I, 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 I'm sorry, you this person also writes, it turns out that people who have more diversified social portfolios, okay, what the F is that, huh? That just basically means you've got a bigger number of people to draw on. I Someone must have told them you need to write a book. Um, sorry, I'm not buying it. Anyway, to go back to Ali's book, You Got This, what she really looked at is how as a wife, as a mother, all of the things that she went through, and she 's really honest about what has happened, and she 's gone through a lot trust me that you you know and if she, by by virtue of what she 's gone through, if she can help you that just you know that just warms her heart because in her mind, which also was one of the things why she and I you know became friends is we really are all of us are here in a form of service, and to let people know that yeah you don't have to, you don't have to look for perfection in someone. If you do, that's like looking for perfection in anything. You're likely never going to attain it. If you are in, if you are dating someone and they say to you, I can't believe you exist, do not walk, run to the nearest exit. And I'm not joking because it, there will come a point where when someone says, I can't believe you exist, you're perfect, wait. The clock is ticking. They will find you not perfect, and that will be the end of it. Or they will start looking for ways to have you not be perfect. Now, enough on, you know, that one. So that was my little book review. Another thing that I, and I've been harping on this for a while, we are going to see such a massive, massive problem with fertility coming forward. The, you know, the the sperm count has dropped, what is it, 59%. Over the last decade, the amount of estrogen and hormone impacting foods, um, the electronic magnetic frequencies, the EMS that people are plopping their laptops on their lap, I mean guys sitting on their phones, they're radiating their testicles, I mean we have an issue with it that is unprecedented on top of which we have people not knowing how to relate In relationships, so people who want to have grandchildren, you better start having conversations and role modeling for your kids and for their children, how to be in relationships, how to talk to one another, how to be sociable, because that is something that has really had an impact. And I see it when people come to me and say, I can't find anyone, mainly it's because they're trying to go for the perfection mode doesn't happen. And, you know, the swipe, right? Okay. But many times people aren't telling the truth in those situations. Another area and article that I looked at was the title of it, five behaviors on social media that are killing your relationship. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that social media has changed dramatically how people are, you know, uh, relating to one another, but it's also changed how we are relating to our own partner. And if you are in a relationship, this uh, this article happens to be written by uh, an individual by the name of Theo Taylor. And yes, social media is impacting our relationships. It's also impacting our ability to choose a relationship or find a relationship, but it's also, It it doesn't keep the wheels on the relationship, too many flat tires, too many lug nuts coming off. So here's some of the things that he talks about in this. And and when I read this, I was like, yep, that's, this is so bang on. And I'd not seen an article, you know, like there's all kinds of articles about the effect of social media on relationships. You know, there's the first, there's the last, there's the other one, but rather than saying, you know, that social media isn't the problem you're the problem i think the issue is social media did have a real impact on your relationship and the first thing he talks about is the loud speaker attitude and he says you know he's found that it's mainly more prevalent in women but he also says you know he's he's done it himself and part of this is rather than You know, rather than keeping something that should be private and other things that, you know, talk about, you know, hey, no problem to have that chat, but why are people going online or talking to their friends about issues with their partner when they should be having that conversation with their partner, not with everybody else? And you know, people love to spill about their thoughts and emotions for no other reason than, you know, to keep them from building up inside. Well, this is not a great idea. I mean, you wouldn't let the emotions hit a boiling point if you would just talk to your significant other about what was bothering you instead of hosting deceptive, as he writes here, deceptive song lyrics about how you feel. And I think for all of us, we are more than well aware that. Most people are posting things to make them look like amazing. And we'll get to that in a moment. The other thing that he is talking about is venting. And I I would agree with him that your relationship should be your safe place, that haven that you go to when things get tough. Your significant other has a dutiful responsibility to be your rock. When the ways of you know your life, career, studies, and you know everything you know crash against you, and social media has seen this dichotomy change, and more than ever, we see people turning to buy for the attention of the masses instead of the select few who matter. Now, and you know, so why is this? And he makes the comment that he uses social media as a virtual barbershop talk about news politics or whatever's hot right now and you know you don't just go in there and talk about your personal issues with strangers and acquaintances and it, it's true one of the first ways to hurt someone who is your significant other your boyfriend girlfriend whatever is to make them feel tolerated instead of desired and if they feel that you're turning to social media for validation or for support, they are, you know, something that is broken, then you have, you know, if you give important news via social media before they even told you, yeah, that sucks. Now, here's the other thing. This is the swipe right, as I call it. And he refers to it as the social media pond. And anyone who's been on social media, you know, that, you know, there are, and he he puts this fun fact in here. Here's a fun fact for all you lovelies in relationships. Within the last 72 hours, somebody probably flirted with your significant other. I've had it happen, I'm sure, you know, uh, or tried to. And your significant other turned them down, and you were none the wiser. It's happened. Yeah, probably happened to you too, right? Now, we're coming up to our first break, and then I will continue with the social media on this has five points in it that to me yeah we and here's the thing we have to take responsibility for what we do in these arenas period and then i'm going to talk here we come with the tunes i'm going to come back and talk more about how social media is killing your relationship
0: Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk. When we get back after these, this is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com.
2: Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer.
3: engaging in small talk with prospective clients before business negotiations is a good idea? A new study from Nova Consulting Group suggests that it all depends on whether you are male or female. The study found that a little chatter by female professionals before a meeting will generally produce a positive image, but not always positive results. However, male professionals who begin negotiations with a little small talk usually glean favorable returns. This is because there is a preconception that women are already expected to be more communicative than men. And when a man makes small talk, he is perceived as friendlier and likable. But beware that that or gossip will only get you into trouble. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your
0: words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs>
1: Hello everyone and welcome back. Again, anytime you have any questions, you can always reach me directly to my own email at office at Lou or Lou at And as I always say, I am the one who answers everything. I do not have pat answers. I do not have somebody else answer for me. So going back to the five behaviors on social media that are killing your relationship, this one is the one, the social media pond to me, is the one that is the most pervasive. And when you look at now, when it comes to family law, when you, when you speak to these attorneys, one of the first things that happens in the majority of divorces is they are looking at the social media accounts of their clients to see who they were in contact with and how often. And it, it factors now in the majority of divorces. And I mean, because sometimes people put, I'm just shocked. What the heck are you doing putting everything down there? But then again, who am I to say? But the important thing about this is even when you're not, you know, you are happy being in your relationship, there's, I mean, it's just as he calls it, another pond to go fishing in. And an easy one to go fishing in. I have a friend of mine who actually a relative of mine, who she was uh, at the time married uh, to an individual who was a dentist. And all of a sudden, she started noticing these, this whole slew of instant messages that he was getting. And it was from his old classmate who found him, looked him up. Now, the classmate was also married and she was busy flirting and saying, let's get together, do this, do that. And that was the end of their marriage boom, done. And, but that's something that many times I I'm, I'm shocked at how often people think, oh, well, I didn't mean anything by it. Well, someone else might have. And it's your intention of what you were doing in a relationship that truly counts for the other person. And, you know, yes, it's respect, but it's also your behavior. So, you know, the social media pond of, you know, the likes, the emojis, the favorites, the direct messages are weapons of choice for, as he calls them, the online love assassins. And we just, and we get so caught up in it. We you know, can't tell the difference between whether someone's flirting and who isn't. And because of the area that I'm in, I will often have people who will send me messages on Facebook that I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> it's like so inappropriate, but it's many times people think because I write and speak in the area of sexuality and relationships, I'm going to be open to, you know, having conversations with them about, you know, oh, wow, you are so gorgeous. And it's like, really? Here's another thing. The moment that someone does that kind of creepy stalkery thing, and you know, the number one place where people will also do it is in a grocery store. you Now, back to this. Now, he makes the comment, this Theo, what is is Theo's name again, Theo Taylor, and it was a March 2015 article, by the way. But he talks about that, you know, some of you are, you know, when people say you don't care, some of you are telling the truth, and some of you are lying. And you see, you know, we've invaded our significant other's online spaces, hunting the internet timelines and trying to protect what's rightfully ours. And if someone immediately, you know, jumps to their phone or it, it says, oh, I, have no, I, I don't know who this is and it's a constant thing, trust your got. Chances are you're right. There is something going on. There is something that they're responding and they don't want to see you seeing their reaction. And the truth is, you really can't protect everything. Because if your significant other wants to do things on social media, you know, instead of for you, there's nothing you can do about it. Another thing that often I have a friend of mine who Jonathan has been, uh, he's a very good looking guy and lives in New York. And his picture has been used to create false phishing <clears throat> profiles unlike anybody I've ever seen. And that's something else. You you know, when you're swiping left and right and doing whatever, sometimes you have no idea who these people are. They're complete fabrication. Step number two, make sure you can do your own homework. Uh, step, uh, here's, okay, so here are the five things that he talked about. So one is the loudspeaker attitude, oversharing. The venting, taking issues that... To the anonymous population which should be private and go to your partner or significant other and taking it to you know the putting it out there in a way it's kind of like no this is not a conversation you have with everybody then there's the social media pond that where people will it's kind of like oh maybe it's kind of like going to the bar and flirting except you know these people now have a way to really find you and track you down and now here's here's one of my favorites, and this is the one, The Selective Perception. And he does state that even though this is number four, and I agree with him, I actually believe this is, you know, the most important. And it's given us this ability to present ourselves and selectively give people an image of ourselves that and as how we depict ourselves that isn't accurate. And here's the other thing. People will get on social media and see all these relationships that look like they're so amazing, you know, these people have everything figured out, they're so in love, and in all actuality, they've only given, you know, the shiny, glossy look. And I've noticed, I've had, you know, two or three people that I know online who... They are always showing, we're traveling here, we're going there, this is our, you know, uh, our philanthropic situation over here, we're doing this, I I would be, first off, yeah, they do have the ability to do that, yet what that does is it has people know probably more about them than they really want them to know, because their, their pages are not private. If you want to do that on say, on Facebook or on social media, to, you know, narrow it down, make sure you're only going for the people who you truly want to see it. And the flirting and all of the things that they're showing up the lovey-dovey, you know, the the collages of people, you know, why do people want someone to see that? It's like, when, have you ever been in that situation where someone is telling you how amazing their relationship is, doesn't it make you suspicious? Don't you think, really, you have to claim to have such an amazing relationship? I, I'm always suspect as soon as someone talks like that. So here's the other thing that he writes, and I think this is true. This selective perception creates a pseudo-relationship that doesn't genuinely exist. And uh, he believes that it puts an unnecessary strain on most relationships. And people are dipping out of their own relationships in search of that perfect social media relationship and that just simply doesn't exist. This is where when people say, well, you know, I'm looking to find someone and we can be the perfect power couple. Don't. That's, you know, this kind of like, and, and by the way, anyone who uses apps, if you do, uh, get all of your nude photos off of anything that you've got, because that's one of the first things when when they are go in and have access to all of your contacts, all and because that's in the app um, agreement. A free app, go for it. And the number one free app for a while was Angry Birds, and they said. That gave them access to your, all your photos, all your contacts, all your emails, and why do you think so many uh, celebrities had their new photos hacked? Because someone put those apps on, you know, on their uh, whether it's their PDA, whether it's their personal device, whether it's their laptop, whatever it may be. And for me, what I want people to know is there are ways to keep yourself, you know. From social media derailing your relationship. And the final one is us versus them. And this is a big one. It's, you know, it's where, and I've seen relationships end over this as well, where people have put so much emphasis on themselves and their significant other to keep a, you know, a divide between what they do on social media and what they do together. And what that happens is this so? The us is the two people, and the them is everybody else on social media. And what happens is someone will end up. In, and this is the attention, attention, attention thing that I talk about. Where if you are giving attention to someone else rather than your partner, guess what? That's a slippery slope. And if you are giving attention elsewhere, then their attention is going to go elsewhere as well is the number one reason for affairs getting started. So if you want to have your marriage or your relationship fall apart, start doing, you know, have some of these behaviors. Believe you me, from a passive-aggressive standpoint, it will work. (laughs) Things will likely come apart rather quickly. And if you don't, it's the thing about, you know, keeping that which is really important to you, close to your heart being aware of being respectful of it and then also not having everybody know your business privacy please here come the tunes we're coming up to our second break and when we come back we'll talk about more ways to engender better relationships
0: McMillan from Ontario,
3: Canada was driving to a meeting when he saw what looked like a can of cola moving around on the side of the road. Curious, he stopped to investigate and discovered a skunk had gotten its head stuck in a soda can. After a moment of abulia or indecision, he decided to try and save the potentially woofy animal. Woofy is another word for smelly. He grabbed the can and engaged in dang swang or a cooperative tug of war with the skunk. All the while hoping he wouldn't get sprayed. Finally, the skunk managed to pop its head out of the can and land safely on the ground. After a brief stare down, the skunk turned and ran into the woods. What's another word for running away in fright? Funkify. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
2: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: Ignoring joint pain will not make it go away, nor will avoiding motions that are uncomfortable and spark discomfort. Harvard Medical School states that the secret to joint pain relief is exercise. Doing the right exercises on a continuous basis can relieve pain and might even permit you to postpone or avoid surgery on a problem joint. But the benefits don't stop there. Being active sharpens your mind and benefits your heart. Harvard says that it nudges your blood pressure down and your morale up, eases stress, and shaves off unwanted pounds. But most importantly, it lessens your risk of dying prematurely. So what are you waiting for? Exercise helps relieve joint pain and so much more. Pain-free movement and a fabulous quality of life awaits you. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette
0: Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, before the uh, break, we had talked about the five behaviors on social media that are killing your relationship. And this is something from 2014. Uh, the previous article was by Theo Taylor. And but this is something that from, you know, so this is three years ago. And it says that people who use social media are 32% more likely to think about leaving their spouses uh, according to a Boston university study. And they talked about, you know, the uh, people who are really high users of Facebook is what they were looking at. And they found that, you know, the, the correlation was that the people who are using more of the social media and let's be honest, the heavy users of social media now it's 2014 now there's even more ways for people to use social media to get you know in contact with one another or find one another now you don't even have to do anything, you just stand there and the app will like, beep and go, there's someone in the store you should meet and the reason why Ashley Madison the so-called dating site for Married people who don't want a divorce. The reason that guy created it is because he saw that it was like 30, 35% of the people who were on um, dating websites were married. And he said, well, why don't I just create something so they don't have to go through the financial devastation of divorce? Well, then he got caught out a little bit because his metrics were showing that uh, the so-called women that he was saying were available were actually had been you know, manufactured by people at Ashley Madison, the URLs that they were, were all going back to uh, the people working at the Ashley Madison. And, and there were women who came forward and said, yeah, all I did all day was create profiles, you know, false profiles." Anyway. So the, the issue here is this is something from th- over three years ago showing that you know if you are using heavily using social media it is likely going to have an impact on your relationship and more likely think about leaving home because here's here's what i'm also going to tell you for many men they will not typically leave a relationship until there's something to leave to go to women are more likely to say that's it i'm out of here and But oftentimes, when men make a decision to end something, they don't end it until there's someone to go to. And whether that is, I mean, I saw saw it within my own family, where this person spent all of their time uh, online and found someone who, and this wasn't the first time this woman had cheated as well. And it was between two different countries. And then that was that. And that was the end of you know, a very long-term marriage. So if you are wanting to put your relationship at, in peril, you know, continue having use of social media because wh- wherever your attention goes and your thoughts go, so does your behavior. Now, let's focus on what people, this is search, so change the subject, ding, ding. I'm gonna talk now about the behaviors and things that people have shared with me gave them better sex lives and better relationships. And probably the number one thing that people talked about in order to have better sex and better relationships is how often they were really comfortable in one another's being around one another and really liking their partner. And they would say what our one of our big indicators was how often do we snuggle? And people in relationships typically have more sex than people who are single, and it's mainly because of, you know, the ease of availability. Their partner is already there. But it's also how often do you hug? Because touch is a huge Indicator of relationship satisfaction, whether it is watching, because think about this. There really are very few people who have the permission to come into your personal space and touch you, whether that is a a child or whether it's your cat or dog or, you know, another human being. But touch now has become that hot potato, particularly in the workplace where people, if, you know, a man touches a woman's shoulder, it's like, that's not okay. And it could be something that he was used to doing that with his sister or someone else. And and it's just something he's very, you you know, tactile and used to doing that. But it's not, touch has become something that has become litigious, particularly in the workplace. So if you do have partner that you are around being able to have that is crucial and, and I will often tell people the hug has to be a real hug and not that you know two-point shoulder hug another thing that people say really made the difference for them is being able to talk about what is actually going on in their sex life and I think for many people long if they have a long-term relationship it does become kind of like, oh, my God, we've been together for so long. It's just, it would be like kind of embarrassing to be talking about it. Well, no, because we do change. And, you know, the food that you ate 15 years ago, if you've been together for 15 years, likely has changed. And your sexuality and your relationship, they both have appetites as well. So things are likely to change. Your nerves are likely to change. Your health may have changed. So talking about sex and, you know, sometimes you're not able to have sex and that's okay, too. I I say this all the time, but it makes me crazy when people are being told constantly that they're supposed to have sex X number of times a week. No, you have sex as much as you want or you are comfortable with. Another thing I ask people or what people will tell me is if it isn't the sex that they're having together... They are, you know, they're masturbating more, and that's their sexual connection. And who better, you know, to know what you enjoy than yourself? And for some people, that is their most powerful way of connecting with themselves sexually. And I know of long-term relationships, straight and gay, where the partners really don't have sex, they have a lot of intimacy, a lot of connection with one another, but their actual physical sexual expression is masturbating privately. And they're fine with that. And if they have an issue, they talk about it. Another thing that makes a real difference for a lot of couples is, are you getting enough sleep? Because if the only thing you want to do when if you are so exhausted that you all you want to do is sleep because you aren't getting enough or you, your sleep is constantly interrupted, that has a huge impact on, you know, first off, you're not getting enough deep REM sleep. That impacts on your mood. It impacts on your body's ability to regenerate and heal itself if you're dealing with something. It changes how... And listen, if someone is crabby and cranky because they don't have enough sleep, chances are they're not going to be all that open to doing something and feeling good in the relationship. Now, if, you know, if you snore or your partner snores, that's tough because, I mean, I know for myself, I am a very, very light sleeper and I hear everything. So it interrupts my sleep. I get, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you know, you've got to go to the other room. And, you know, some people have adopted the European form of having separate bedrooms so that they can sleep. And it doesn't mean that they don't have sex. They do. They just, they'll have it in the morning or, you know, this happens to be an older couple, so maybe in the afternoon. But they, it, where they, their bedroom is really at night where they, because they both need a lot of rest one of them is recovering from a health issue and they need something that allows them the ability to truly relax and rest and another thing that I will ask people is are do you have a TV on in your bedroom if you do get it out of there because the TV is a third person in your, in your bedroom. Truly. It is an interrupter. And not only that, it, the electronic magnetic frequencies from all of the flat screens TV are bathing you. And that also interrupts your sleep and interrupts your, your general health. Are you sleeping with an iPhone or something, a phone, and it's right beside your bed and you wake up and, you know, you look at it in the middle of the night. Get it out of there because what that does is it separates you from who you are in that bed with. And also, and it's, I love these people uh, on the comedy they goes, well, it's my alarm clock. And I love this one guy, I think it's Simon Sinek, and he goes like this, buy, a, buy an alarm clock, they're $8. <laughs> because what you are doing is if you are interrupting your sleep as a result of little pings and little beeps and everything throughout the night, you weren't Mm -hmm. resting. And what you're also doing is you're keeping yourself, someone else, you know, any person who gets a lot of stuff done during the day, they do not answer emails first thing in the morning. To the contrary, they have their own list of what they do, what they're going to do, then they look at emails. Because if you're looking at emails and someone else's texts and pings and everything else that's coming in, You're on their agenda. You're not on your own. And then that's taking your attention away from your relationship, away from your sex life, away from what is important for you. And uh, we're coming to our next break. Come back and talk about the perspectives of sex.
4: Secret cuisines and sacred rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Velasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions. Through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velosi's words, when We do old things in new ways and new things in old ways. We paint with an inspired palette. Weave our own healing traditions and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network.
2: This is the Tokenet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's with her.
3: We spend a lot of time in front of it, but do you know who invented the television set? The short answer is John Logie Baird, who invented the television set in 1925. The longer answer is that many people worked on different inventions that eventually came together to make a television set. The very first television show was a broadcast of the opening ceremony of the New York World's Fair in 1939. The first television commercial was for of Watches. The cost of that commercial? Four dollars, and so began the herkel durkle and thurgy lurgy, or the idle relaxation of watching television. Of course, in the early days, we got a lot of exercise watching TV. We had to walk both ways to the television set to change the channel. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never
0: heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk
1: Perspective of sex, because many times when people are, you know, asking me things of, you know, how can I have, you know, uh, you know, I'm attracted to this person, but I don't know what to do, or I really like this person. Um, I really want to have a better, you know, relationship, better sex life, better something. I want more, you know, I, I'd like to have a whole lot more variety in my sex life one of the first things I ask them is who did and where did you get your perspectives about sex? You know, because we have a history of stuff we learn. We learn a language, right? We learn how to drive a car. And we also learn about sex. But we learn about sex in this sort of hidden, you know, Uh, You're not supposed to talk about it until a certain age. And then after a certain age, why is it you don't know? I mean, it's it's just absurd. But what I will ask people is, did you learn from your family? Did you learn from your equally ill-informed friends and peers? Did you learn from videos? Bad place to learn, by the way. Because really, it's someone else's fantasy. And if you think that that's what... Other people are actually doing chances are it's not so I you know this is what I I'll use it some examples here some of them are really quite profound and this was a woman who was in my seminar and she uh, came up after the seminar and she was crying and it uh, wasn't just crying she was sobbing and I said you know what's what, what's the problem and she said, "Oh my God, I am. I got married six weeks ago, and I'm still not technically his wife." And I said, I, "I'm sorry. What do you mean?" And she said, "Well, we've not been. We haven't had intercourse, so I'm technically not his wife, according to the Bible." And I said, "Okay." Um, and all of a sudden, it was like a, a download. It was like, <laughs> and, and I looked at her and I said. Who told you it was going to hurt? And she was kind of like, whoa. She was taken aback. And she said, my mother. I said, okay. Um, I said, let me ask you, do you use tampons? And she said, yes. And I said, okay. May I ask the size that you use? And she said, well, I use, you know, um, super. And I said, okay. And I said, are they comfortable for you? She said, oh, yes. Now, any woman who's ever used a tampon knows that when you are sexually excited, it is a completely different thing than when you are inserting a tampon. Because the vagina is like a state of potential. And when it engorges with blood and the, the walls of the vagina, which are mucosal tissues, start to, as they say, sweat and lubricate, the whole of the vagina opens up more and create space for penetration for the penis. But when you are not sexually excited, it is, it's dry, and you need to, sometimes you need to put a little bit of lubricant on the end in order to have it insert comfortably. But, you know, it's tight when you're not sexually excited. So she said, yeah, she was comfortable with that. I said, let me tell you something, and if I may share with you. What your mother shared with you, was it done to stop you from having intercourse prior to marriage, she said, "Oh, absolutely." She said, "Oh, I, I was never ever." She said, "I had to be a virgin when I was married." I said, "Okay." Um, does do you think that your husband would ever want to do anything that would hurt you? She said, "No." I said, "What did your mother say was going to happen?" And she said, "She told me it was going to tear and rip, and there would be blood everywhere." And I'm like, "Oh, dear God." In my brain, I did not say that to her, but I said, wow, okay. Um, that is not likely going to happen. If you're already using tampons, you are not going to tear. And by the way, any female mammal has a hymen, which is what they always talk about, you know, the proof of virginity. And the hymen itself is merely something, it's a tissue. So there's, you know, porcine hymen, equine, Dogs have them, cats have them, uh, any female mammal has a hymen, and some of them are thicker than others, some of them don't break, and but some of the majority of them have already pulled apart prior to intercourse, and if you are using tampons, that's, you know, chances are that's already happened. So I said to her, here's the thing, the last thing your husband would ever want to do is hurt you, and she said... And I said, would you agree with that? She goes, absolutely. I said, okay. So let's go one step further for that. One of the things that you would like to try with them, because she said, I bought your books. I took them on our honeymoon. She said, I read them before we got married. I did everything. And she said, I still, I still was so scared to have, you know, to have sex. And I said, okay, I think you're better prepared now. And I said, You can use lubricant if you want, but if you are really turned on by him, chances are you're not going to need a whole lot of it. But if it's going to make you feel better, here's what you're going to do. You are going to be on top. That way, you are controlling the penetration so that, you know, and unless he's exceedingly large, chances are you're going to be comfortable, but you are the one who will control the penetration. And... The person on top controls the action. So she was like, okay. And she called me probably four weeks later and said that they had just been, and this is typical of a lot of women who have had a very strong religious background do not have sex messages. They would just like having more sex than you could possibly even imagine. And she said, we are having so much fun and she said but what she said to me is no one told me this could be fun no one told me this could be something i could create my own you know my own history with it and so when we look at our perspective of sex we have to know where that message came from and the other thing i can probably tell you her mother did not like sex so and and again that was because the underlying message she got is that it wasn't okay. Now, here's another perspective on sex. Some people use it as a weapon. Some people use it as a way to control someone else. And it goes both ways. You know, that you know it isn't just one partner doing it or you know, and I remember a, a friend of mine who she and her husband ex-husband had a very volatile relationship but she said I'm not going to say anything to him because she said I like sex too much and if I get mad at him and yell at him she said I know he's cutting me off and I know it you know works the same way in other relationships whether they're straight gay bi whatever it may be sometimes people would use it as something to control someone with and I remember a woman in a seminar saying how is it uh, we were talking about anal sex and her husband actually, you know, wanted to try it. And she said, Oh, there's no way. She said, there's no way I'd ever do that. And I said, okay. I said, you know, this is your body. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Uh, but it was a discussion that these women raised and said, I, I, you know, I think I'd like to try it. And actually in some cultures, it is used as a form of birth control and in some, and so that there isn't, they can have, anal intercourse, but not vaginal intercourse prior to marriage and still maintain their virgin status. So this woman asked, she said, okay, talking about using it as a weapon. She said, let me ask you. She said, how big a gemstone would I get if this is what my husband's always wanted to do? And I really have not been into it. I said, probably fairly large. And she said, okay, then fine. Then tell me about it. I was like, oh my Lord. (laughs) But you know, when I'm in the seminar, because I'm not a therapist, people will literally tell me anything and share anything. And it's also because the seminars are anonymous. So people don't, no one knows who anyone is. They just know, you know, the woman in the red jacket or they know their friends that they came with. That's it. Now, the other thing I want people to get is that religious dogma, telling you what you can and cannot do with your sexuality is one of the biggest things that has impacted relationships, marriage, and sexual satisfaction. And, you know, if someone is knows that they are, you know, gay, but they don't dare come out because of their culture, how, you know, how conflicted are they? And I, I've spoken to a number of people that are in that situation, female, male, both, and you know, they don't feel like they can be honest with their own sexuality, so they feel they have to keep something, you know, on top of it, and they feel guilty, and they don't feel they can be who they are. So, anyway, here's we are. We're wrapping up. We've got down to our final minute here. Um, we talked about the five behaviors that could be killing your relationship. <laughs> the fact that I do not believe that, you know, the all-or-nothing attitude in marriage uh, works. That People are, you know, they have to change their, cut down on what they expect from their partner. I think you should have a healthy respect for what you want from your partner. And the other thing is that everyone is entitled to have their own perspective on their sexuality and to have it be healthy and enjoyable. So any questions, you can get a hold of me at officeatleupagent.com or Lou at Lou Have an awesome rest of the week. And I will talk with
0: you next week. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Padgett. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget.